The Pittsburgh Steelers drop another tough one, 24-10 to the Cincinnati Bengals in embarrassing fashion at Heinz Field. I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast. Steelers fans, I know you're going through it. We're going to help you get through it. Going back to this game and asking the hard questions about where this team can go from here. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers. Your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you want to subscribe to this channel, you can get us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, or anywhere podcasts are hosted. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help us out. And if you do with a positive comment, you get a shout out at the end of the show. And uh, like and subscribe. Like our this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That really helps us out as well. Well, Steelers fans, it's a dark day in Pittsburgh. It's actually pretty bright out. I'm Chris Carter here of the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Carter Critiques. It was a very sunny day. It was a beautiful morning. There was not a cloud in the sky. The perfect temperature and the Steelers laid the biggest egg I think I've ever seen them lay at Heinz Field. This was an embarrassment losing 24-10 to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I mean, it wasn't like the Bengals played that good of a game either. It was uh, just abysmal on offense. Now, granted, the defense is hurt up. You know, I give the defensive front, uh, you know, you know a, a pass because they they weren't getting any pressure on Joe Burrow. Um, they weren't able to really do much back there. But when you're missing, what, four out of your five projected starters up front? Okay, I get that. But where what needed to happen with this team was the offense needed to kick into a gear that at least gave this defense something to protect. The Steelers defense has not had a lead to protect other than the end of the Bills game all season. And that's just the bottom line. Now, of course, the question is, is it Matt Canada? Is it the offensive line? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? You could pretty much say all of the above, right? But here's the thing. You knew going into this season that the Steelers offensive line was going to struggle. You knew that this team was going to need to coalesce. That five guys up front, even if you get, and I, I get these people that are saying, well, they should have drafted the offensive more higher in the offensive line. Like if if you look at the guys that were picked after Najee Harris, the next five offensive, offensive linemen, they're either A, not starting, B, injured, or C, not playing well. It's it, it, that drafting, just, just drafting offensive line wasn't going to solve this season. And again, when you have an exodus of, of three longtime starters, either retiring or being, or, or moving on, that's going to cause a problem. This was always going to be a problem. Even if you had went and signed a Morgan Mogus and more Moses and, 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 and drafted a, a center in the first round, this was going to be a problem, but you needed to find a way to mitigate that. And they drafted a running back who did well in this game. I actually will say Najee Harris. I know some people are like, Oh, he dropped a couple passes at the end there, but Najee Harris finished this game catching 14 passes for 102 yards. That is the most ever caught in a in a, in a single game by a running back in Steelers history. It's also the third most by a single player in a game in Steelers history, tied with Antonio Brown. And oh, by the way, the two guys above that Antonio Brown performance are two more Antonio Brown's performances. So Najee Harris put himself in the record books for the Steelers and did a good job in doing so. He, he made guys miss. He finished with 142 yards total, uh, you know, you know, in uh, yards, yards from scrimmage. He did what he could do. But again, they were hoping, the Steelers were hoping that in this game, 
they would find ways to they would find ways to avoid the big mistakes, not turn the ball over at, at key moments. And Ben Roethlisberger, unfortunately, did just that twice in this game. One being in you know one being an inexcusable pass over the middle into triple coverage that was intercepted by a linebacker. To me, you look at Matt Canada and you ask the questions to him, but you cannot overlook Ben Roethlisberger's lack of a contribution in this offense. And again, I'm at Heinz Field. That's why I'm dressed up right now. If anyone's wondering, why is Chris wearing a suit? It's because I was at Heinz Field. I know I needed to get back home, record this podcast, and then I have the final word on Channel 11 WPXI tonight where I'm basically wearing this suit for. So I've been in this suit all day because of that show, and I knew it knowing that I had to basically do triple duty today. But we out here working because I love y'all. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, looking at the Steelers' offense, when I was looking at it from, from, the, from the press box, it's harder to see it with the broadcast. You'll see it more with the all 22, but I'm telling y'all there are open guys around the field. There are plenty of guys who are, you know, who are working their way into good NFL spaced out throws and they're just not being made by Ben Roethlisberger. Whether he sees them and throws them late, I, like Juju on the play that he threw the interception into triple coverage. If you look at the film, Juju did initially break open on the play. But the ball got there three seconds late. And when a guy is open for three seconds, the defense is going to collapse over him, especially over the middle. And that's exactly what happened. Now, the thing is with uh, with Ben Roethlisberger, you have to wonder, is he A, feuding with Matt Canada? Is he B, uh, you know, just not seeing the field? Is he just, does he not trust his arm? Does he not trust his line? It could be all of those things, but it's clear he does not have the answer, Sway. And I look at the I look at the, the 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 passing charts and where he's throwing the ball. He's still avoiding the deep middle of the field. And if I'm the Steelers and and this this is the part that is on Matt Canada, you got to communicate, buddy. You got to throw the ball here. You got to get the ball 15 to 20 yards down the middle of the field so that they do back off Najee Harris. So they do give this offensive line space to breathe. Because even at towards the end of the game. When they did, when they start, when the offense started moving because they were throwing the ball to Najee Harris, eventually the Bengals were like, "Okay, now we're going to jump on that." And as I told you on this podcast last week in my pregame notes for this game, they need to get the ball to Najee Harris. And as soon as the Bengals start to jump on that, that's when you throw behind him. That's when you go to Pat Frymuth and and Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and all the other guys over the middle because that's what opens it up. Now, Ben Roethlisberger got the first part down eventually in the game and getting the ball to Najee Harris, but he didn't get it done once they once they started to be on it. And we'll get to the fourth down call in the red zone in just, in just a second, but that was just abysmal. But I truly think Ben Roethlisberger's problems are much bigger than just the offensive line stinks or Matt Canada stinks. I think there's a lot more going here, uh, and it is a real question now. Is he done? Is he finished? And I've been anyone who's watched this podcast or listened to this podcast over the years, you know, I've been one of the last people to say, oh, Ben, stick a fork at him, do this, do that. I will. I'm, I'm I'm very critical of him. I've always been fair. And I've been saying, hey, you know what? This was a bad game. This was a bad play. He needed to do better than this. But I've never been one that's been doom and gloom. Get him out of there. He's a bum. Get him. I, I'm not that kind of a person. I, I've seen this guy come back from a lot of bad stuff in his career. But this is another thing, because. In times when he struggled with an offensive coordinator, he's had, you know, a year or so to, to kind of shake off the cobwebs, 
figure things out and get settled into an offense. He doesn't have that kind of time. And he continues to take hit after hit as this offensive line is, is, is kind of, you know, form finding itself. And also this offensive line being dinged up. I'm going to continue asking these questions about Ben Roethlisberger. Well, giving you some, some of my analysis on, on the bad play of Ben Roethlisberger after this. But first, I got to tell you guys about GetUpside. Hey, Steelers fans, this is Chris Carter with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. And that's up to 50 cents, 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50, 50, cents, ca- gallon per, uh, 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and then you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank we're also brought to you by bet online it's that time of the year again and with football now out here teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season get all the updated odds props and contests including the half million dollar nfl mega contest and the two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest open right now at bet online head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100 welcome bonus be sure to take care of to take advantage of any of the uh, promos that are out there sometimes they have different promos specifically for a specific game or a specific week in the NFL. You get out there, there, there might be opportunities to win your money back if you make a bad wager up to $25. Check all the, all the details for each promo because there's all the details with each contest. But BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball to boxing, right down to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all their great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to the Pittsburgh Steelers and all the things that stink about the Pittsburgh Steelers right now because they do stick and there's, there's no way around this. They are, they are, they are a struggling group and they need to find answers. When you look at this game again, Ben Roethlisberger finished 38 of 58 for 318 passing yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. If you had asked me before the season began, if he had to throw 58 passes in a game, I'd say something went wrong. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Now I do think that it's different if about, 10 to 12 of those passes are underneath passes to Najee Harris, which I'd say at least 13 of them were because he caught 14 of them. I think one of them might have been a little bit further downfield, but that was the biggest thing that opened up the offense. When you go back and look at some of these drives, they only had what two scoring drives in the entire game. And they had a missed field goal as well. In the drives that they moved the ball, they had, they had a drive of 73 yards where they turned the ball over on downs, a drive of 95 yards where they kicked a field goal, and a drive of 96 yards when they when they uh, got a touchdown. In all of those drives, Najee Harris was catching a pass. And it's not just about him catching it and him being a playmaker. It's about forcing the defense to consider him as an option. That's something defenses didn't have to do with James Conner and Benny Snell last year. They were like, you know what? Let them catch passes. They're not going to make the first guy miss. We'll be able to get them down pretty easily. Najee Harris is getting the yards. And again, that's that's not the issue. The issue is now when guys are open down the field, can Ben see them and can he get them there? We knew that getting them there would be a struggle sometimes. Like the deep ball to Washington down the sidelines late in the fourth quarter or mid-fourth quarter, I'd say. If Ben Roethlisberger hits that, Washington walks in for a touchdown, and this is probably a completely different game. But alas, he didn't. And 
if you can't make the the if you can't make the throws that are there and you're missing the missing the opportunities to make the throws that are there and just your lack of ability to read the field you're going to hinder the offense and that's what Ben Roethlisberger is doing right now now granted yes Matt Canada you need to find a way to communicate this with your quarterback and part of this is again we knew the Steelers offense was going to struggle but I will say this this is a team that was built on several aspects of their team being the strongest parts. They built, they, 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 they banked on having a strong wide receiver core that would be young and athletic and, and, and deep so that if they sustained an injury, they, they'd have another guy to go on. They'd have, you know, three more guys they could count on to make plays with the ball in their hands. They banked on a, on a strong interior defensive line that would be able to continuously stuff the run and, and get pressure up the middle. And they banked on having the best edge rushing unit in the NFL. And to be fair, all three of those are decimated. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't finish this game. He was out with a rib injury. Deontay Johnson didn't play in this game. He's been, he's been hurt coming into this week. We knew about Stephon Tuitt with his it was a situation, his brother dying over the offseason and him having some, some, some health problems, just trying to get back in put, put football shape and maybe, maybe a minor injury as well to go along with that. Tyson Alulu on injury reserve with his injury last week. And Carlos Davis hurt. So even behind those guys, you got depth issues and you're bringing up practice squad guys. And then don't mention the edge rusher position where TJ Watt and, and Alex Highsmith, you're both of your starting edge guys are out. You can't deny the importance of that. I know everyone's going to say next man up the, the standard is the standard, but the reality is, is that when your best positions are, are now your liabilities, it's going to be tough to win football games. This team was not built on this offensive line, being able to figure it out in week three. That's just a fact. And anyone thinking that it was going to be, even if they drafted three offensive linemen in the first three rounds is fooling themselves. And that's where I have to, I have to say realist Steelers, you have to accept a dose of realism here. Your team isn't in the position right now to overcome massive injuries. You know what? If this was the Steelers of 2008 or 2010, or even 2016, I think the balance of those teams, if the right players weren't out, would be able to overcome things like this. But look around the NFL and tell anyone, take their top you know, five or six players off the team in their strongest positions, and they're going to struggle. I mean, you saw it with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with the way that Patrick Mahomes lost to the Buccaneers. Um, you know, Once his offensive tackles were gone, he was under siege and he couldn't do anything. And uh, a Chiefs offense that was phenomenal for two, three years was being eaten alive by the Buccaneers without their offensive line. And again, if it's one position that you can kind of work around, okay, cool. Like I actually think if this, if if both T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith are in in the game on Sunday, the defense plays a much better game because they're able to get pressure. They didn't get pressure on Joe Burrow. That's a major problem. When you look at this defense, they had no quarterback hits. If you had told me going into any game that this defense would have no quarterback hits, that I knew they'd lose that game. I didn't think that they would be able to get a quarterback hit in this game. One, I did think T.J. Watt would play. He sounded very confident on Friday when talking. They pulled him, and I was like, uh-oh, that's a problem. And then you saw as the game came on, they brought up their guy from, from the practice squad to be to play on the edge, and, um, and you saw the defensive line. Uh, you know, trying to shift guys in when Henry Mondo was in there. I mean, it was bad. He wasn't able to maintain his gap. He wasn't able to get a push. And you saw by mid third quarter, Cam Hayward's tired. He, he's too, he's too tired to carry the team at that point. Those are just real struggles. 
And when you're having real struggles like that, you need to have the balance on the other parts of your team to overcome that. Now, I, I, the reason that I've been so high on the Steelers is that I figured this defense would be healthy early, early on. And if they hit injury struggles, say week 10, week 11, week 12, then the offense would have some things figured out because that's by the time when I expect this offensive line to make real progress. And we've seen offensive line make that kind of progress across the NFL over the season. This, this, this is not an uncommon thing for an offensive line to stink in their early weeks of being together. It, it does happen quite a lot in the NFL. But the reality is you can't have the group that you invested into to carry this team, not be available, and then expect that group that you were that you were you were kind of waiting to buy time for to then carry you. I mean, if they did, it'd be a Herculean effort, but they're just not doing it, and it's it's tough. It's a tough reality to for Steelers fans to accept, but I think that's the case. And again, I I don't think that changes if you sign one or two free agent offensive linemen or draft one or two way, uh, offensive linemen in the first two rounds. I think this group is going to that group would have the same problems. They may get it together and be a little bit better by week eight or nine. But, you know, in a game like this, you know, you know, you'd still have, you'd still have these kind of problems. And then you wouldn't have a Najee Harris being able to make guys miss Najee Harris to me again, wasn't the problem. Uh, Chase Claypool, I think wasn't the problem. Nine catches, 96 yards played really hard. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, when he's in, is a tough playmaker. He had a really huge third-down conversion, or actually, I think about him a second ago. He got a, he got a, a 16-yard gain that that kept the drive alive for the Steelers. That was huge. I will say, Eric Ebron, what are you doing, man? Three targets, no catches. He had a clear drop over the middle that was just embarrassing. That's bad. But I, I look at what they're what the Steelers are trying to do on offense. You know, it, it's tough to get any rhythm when you don't have anything you can bank on. You can't bank on the run game. The biggest thing you could bank on is Najee Harris as a receiver out of the backfield, which is what I said should be the thing that opened things up. And it did open things up. They just didn't do it early enough. And by the time it was it was time for the offense to get going, you know, and, and then they started to get going in the second half, you know, the Bengals had a lead. You need to do this early on so this defense can protect a lead, can be aggressive, and put teams on their heels. And you also need your defense to be healthy to be aggressive and put teams on their heels. There's tough tough questions ahead for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They take on the Packers next week. They get the Broncos and the Seahawks in the, in the weeks after that. There's going to be a lot of, of tough games. There's a legitimate chance now that they can go from 1-0, beating the Bills on the road in an in unpredictable fashion but for a lot of people, and going to 1-6 if they don't turn things around in short order. But how do they turn things around? We'll get to start to answer those questions in the next segment here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. But first, I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the healthy treat that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar is the protein bar for you. It's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. It comes in so many different flavors, whether you want a fruity snack like raspberry, strawberry, or orange, or something different like salted caramel, cookies and cream, Rocky Road, or my personal favorite, double chocolate. Also, I got that that real cookie dough flavor. It's pretty good. I, I think I might be out. I, mean, I might need to get more. So Built Bar, hook me up with some more real cookie dough uh, uh, Built Bars. But the best part is that they're all healthy. Even the real cookie dough bar is only 130 or 180 calories, packs to, seven to eight, 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. That's a tasty and healthy snack that'll save you from eating the snack that you'll regret later and stay on task with anyone's diet. Order today and get your favorite flavor delivered right to your door by going to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all capital letters, all one word, LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. This is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You get one device that lets you catch the game live, another device that lets you stream your favorite shows, and then you're watching your sports highlights on your phone, and then you 
finally got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your TV, your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggly remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. Continuing to roll here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Thanks for hanging with the Steelers fans. I know it is rough. If you're enjoying, if you're enjoying the show, please hit, hit, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, or YouTube. We appreciate all the support there. Now, looking at, at, at looking forward. I uh, on Twitter during the game, I always like to try and make jokes and, and keep it lighthearted for fans as I also drop my analysis. And I use the classic clip from Necessary Roughness. Uh, it's an old football movie, I believe, from the 90s. It's Sinbad and all these other guys. But there's a one point where the coach says, let's analyze what's working for us. And then he takes a shot. He says, not a thing. And that's exactly what's going on here. Nothing is working for the Steelers. Even when something works, when they finally got a touchdown on offense, and a great drive, eight and a half minutes, took time off the clock, gave defense time to rest. Defense came out, looked like they had a stop, had a rough roughing the passer penalty on Melvin Ingram that even Gene Steratore, who never goes against the officials on the field, even he said that was a horrible call. And then they gave up the deep ball to J- Jamar Chase. And I will say this, if you want to come at coaching, that was one play where I didn't understand what they were doing. How do you let, their biggest deep threat that was a fourth overall pick in this draft being single covered by the guy who's making his first year starting. It was, I believe it was his third career start at cornerback in James Pierre. If you want James Pierre on him, that's cool. You better have someone back there to help him out. And this isn't a team that had Darren Waller or someone to kill you over the middle or a tight end like that. That was a big mistake. Another coaching mistake, I have no idea what that fourth and 10 call was when they were in the red zone late in the fourth quarter where they chucked it to Najee Harris. And again, first and 10, great call. Second and four, awesome. Fourth and 10 when at the 11-yard line, no especially when you've been doing it at that point. And that's the point where he had about 12 catches already on the day. And then now the Bengals, they're like, okay, we know they're going for that. Now you throw behind it because they'll be aggressive against it. But no. So how do you fix all this? That's what I said this segment will be about. You first got to sit down with Ben Roethlisberger and you got to find some way to communicate like, hey, these are the, the mysteries that we're seeing here. What are what are you not seeing? What is what is preventing you from cycling through your reads? And that is a big problem here because on that play, it looked like Ben Roethlisberger looked left and just knew he was throwing to Najee Harris, ten yards away from from the first down marker, with only eleven yards to go. It'd be different if, like, the Bengals had three deep and this was at the 50-yard line and they were playing for the Hail Mary. Then you could say, like, you know what? All he has to make is one guy miss. But the whole Bengals defense is there waiting for it. And so then when I saw that play, that to me spoke out, man, that looks like a defeated Ben Roethlisberger or Ben Roethlisberger that just has no idea what he's looking at out there. And that's something that we've seen more than a few times in his career. It's even several times in his career. He's had plenty of great days. He's had plenty of bad days, but that was 
up there with some of the one of the worst bad days I've seen from him. Even though he threw for 318 yards in this game. And again, I, I look at this and I say, if Matt Canada, you got to sit down, you got to find ways to take those tough decisions out of his hands if he can't make them. And it's tough to ask, okay, well, how do you do that when your offensive line's struggling? Well, you know, you tried some of those bubble screens. They work on early downs. I will say this also, the offensive line, you know, and well, the offense in general, uh, just having false starts, holding penalties, procedural penalties, those got to stop. Now, I did think that Chase Claypool got called for a bad offensive pass interference play because he did throw a pick, but it, he did he, he just ran in the way and kind of stood still. That's different than actually blocking your a man. I thought that that was a I thought that was a bad call in the first half, but you still had several other calls that you needed to avoid making. This team needs to be more disciplined, especially on offense, if it wants to be able to stay in games. And in this game, they just weren't that. They kept making mistakes. They kept putting their team behind. And then eventually you tired out your defense that's already depleted from its depth. The defense was going to be tired in this game. So then you come into the dilemma of now, as an offense, do you make your identity, we're going to try and nickel and dime you to death? Because that's what they try to do. And in fact, that's what they did do on the two drives that went eight and a half minutes and nine minutes. Those worked. It worked on those drives, but you can't only have two drives like that. And the reason they only had two drives like that is because when you nickel and dime play, play teams to death, you have to be disciplined. You have to be a coordinated offense. And when you're not playing coordinated, that's the problem. And this is where I do come back to Matt Canada is you bet you have to find answers to make them coordinated if that's how you're going to play. Otherwise, you need to make this shot a big, a big shot offense. And if Ben's not trusting his big shot plays, that's where the dilemma is. Because then you can't nickel and dime people or take big shots. And now you have no identity as an offense, especially because you can't run the ball because you're still waiting for this offensive line to come together and figure some things out. I do think this offensive line still can do it later in the season because, again, I told you leading into the season, I told you all these first few weeks, this offensive line was not going to be good in these early games. You wanted to see progress. You wanted to see aggression. You wanted to see passion. You needed this, but you knew that they were they were not going to be this elite unit. I even said by the end of the season, if they're in the upper twenties of offensive lines, like if they're if they're like the twenty second or twenty third or twenty first best offensive line, that's good. That's a win. That's what you want. That's actually I'm okay with that, considering how they came into the season, and they can mitigate that if the defense is healthy and if Ben is playing at the at the bar, because I do think that that not with Najee Harris and the playmakers they have at wide receiver and it tight end with Pat Fryermuth, I think that they have a chance to make plays around that group. But when you're throwing interceptions with your quarterback, when you have procedural penalties, when you're missing open opportunities around the field with your quarterback, when your defense is so hurt up that it can't get a single quarterback hit on Joe, on Joe Burrow, and you're giving up single coverage bombs to Jamar Chase at the end of a first half, that's when all the problems are going to leak out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was an embarrassing loss at Heinz Field. Last week should have been a wake-up call with the Raiders. You could say, well, the Raiders, they were 2-0. Um, you know, they, they, they were 1-0 going into that game. They looked really good against the Ravens the week before. They did bring it, and I thought the Raiders played a strong game. But this was the Bengals. And I know they got Joe Burrow, and everyone's excited about him. Joe Burrow, did, I mean, he threw three touchdowns in this game, but 
They weren't in, in an electric three touchdowns. He threw a really good deep ball to Jamar Chase that should have been better covered. He completed a pass over to Tyler Boyd where three guys needed to make a tackle. And he threw it to uh, Jamar Chase on, cro- on a crosser over the middle when Joe Burrow had like eight to ten seconds to sit back in the backfield and find find him after after a long play. This team doesn't have any strengths, has a ton of weaknesses. Well, I would say they won't have any strengths. The, the, the projected strengths that they had going into the season of a strong pass rush, a stout play against the run, they're gone. And now you're trying to find different answers on uh on you know on both sides of the ball because you still can't run the ball. I think they found stuff in Najee Harris. I think that you know they did kind of do what I was saying as far as throwing him the football. But you got to do it earlier. You got to establish that, have success with it early, and then play off of it. And that's the part that they didn't do. There's a lot more to dissect about this. I'm going to go back over the film, talk about this with Tony Serino for Tony Tuesday. I'm sure he's crushed as well. I know that James Pierre hype train is hurting after that Jamar Chase touchdown. So uh, we're going to talk to him about that there. But I'm Chris Carter here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Thanks so much for watching and listening to the show. I'm going to get you more analysis tomorrow, breaking down the film. We'll get snap counts. We'll look at some some things here and there and start looking forward at what the Steelers are going to do. Mike Tomlin speaks on Tuesday. We'll also address that then. Um, this episode will actually should have actually aired on Sunday. So you, if you're watching this on Sunday, do tune in to Channel 11 in Pittsburgh, WPXI. If you, if you don't live in Pittsburgh, you can go to WPXI.com. Com, click the, the watching live or watch now button on the website and you'll be able to see me, I believe, sometime after Sunday Night Football. But hey, listen, if you want to go to bed early after this loss, I don't blame you. But hey, but check me, myself out. I'll be on there with Dayan Kovacevic and Dale Lawley talking about this game and other things moving forward on your Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks again for watching and listening to the show. Subscribe to us. Rate us five stars with a positive comment. That stuff helps us out. Be back in your ears and on your screens very soon. Well, Tuesday with Tony Serena for a Tony Tuesday right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast.